If you like ducks, dogs, training, deer hunting, anything outdoors, then this is the podcast for you guys. This is the Flying V Podcast. I'm Thaddeus Bash. I'm your host for this beautiful ride, and I'm assisted by my co-host, Mr. Changmore Vang. You can tune in every week and join us as we talk about anything and everything under the moon that you guys want us to talk about. Some facts, some fiction, and a whole lot of opinions. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Let's hop into it. What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. We took a week off. Uh, Changmore was out of town, so it is what it is, but uh, we're back at it again. And it's been a busy two weeks since we've talked last, so uh, I can't wait to hop into it. We're waiting for Chain to get back in here. But before we hop into everything, if you're new here, do me a favor. Follow the podcast for me, guys. Uh, Show us a little bit of support. I'd greatly appreciate it. Share it with your friends, whatever. And uh, also head over to the YouTube channel at Flying V Outdoors on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Check out our latest videos, guys. Um, again, I'd greatly appreciate the support. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Flying V Outdoors. I'm always posting content um, on Instagram and Facebook as well. So we stay pretty busy on both of those platforms. So like I said, if you guys are new here or you aren't following or subscribed to any of them, go ahead, do us a favor and just uh, show some support. It helps us out more than you guys know. Uh, And it helps boost the confidence a little bit. But I think we got Chang Moore in here now. So Chang, let's see. Hey, what's going on, brother? Perfect. Yep. How you been, man? Good. I just got back from uh, North Carolina, you know, our home roots. What were you doing out there? <laughs> um, so my like you know I have family down there, so uh, my cousin just got his doctor's degree. He's a doctor, so we went to go celebrate and had a little graduation party for him. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Just got back today, right? <laughs> yeah, this morning. Yeah, good deal. Well, it's been a while. Like I was just telling everyone, we uh, took a week off because you were doing your own thing, and I. <laughs> feel like solo hosting it but we're back and we're better uh yeah i've had a busy two weeks uh first off we ran our first finish test uh and got our first finish pass we did that at west mississippi hrc um we went to before that actually we went to the evan graham freddie king seminar in searcy arkansas for a couple days so that was fun. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. But uh, went to that, got home Saturday night from that after a four-hour drive um, at about 11.30. Woke up at 3.30, hit the road, drove three hours to Mississippi to run our first finish test. Knocked it out, got a pass, uh, did some training through the week. We went to run our second finish test Saturday at Four States HRC in Arkansas. And... Uh, Rocked the water test. Absolutely nailed it. Land test ended up failing. <laughs> so uh, we, yeah. we failed on land. Uh, if you guys didn't watch any of those videos, they're on the channel. Um, go check them out. But we failed on land, and I went ahead and just scratched him for Sunday. Uh, so we didn't go back Sunday. And we're just going to spend the off-season training and getting ready for the fall. Uh, when we plan on running several tests. So we couldn't have got his title this weekend anyway. So we're just going to wait till the fall and get his HRCH. But uh, we're just going to yep. keep keep training, getting ready for some master tests. So tell us, how did the Freddie King uh, thing go? Like, I, I know you follow him for his dog training and stuff. And 
give us a little background of you know who Freddie King is and what he does. Yeah, for sure. So uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Freddie King is a trainer up in Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, a pretty popular trainer at that. Um, a lot of people have seen his YouTube videos, um, his Meat Dog series. And um, he's more of a teacher trainer than anything um, as far as professional training. He runs the Retriever Trainer, which is an online uh, training program. It's a website has literally hundreds of videos um and it also comes with a facebook group 60 dollars a month throw that plug in there uh, or 60 dollars a year excuse me um for the retriever trainer so if you guys are a trainer amateur pro whatever yeah it's the best 60 dollars you'll spend join the retriever trainer um if nothing else just to network with other people in the private facebook group um, the things that come with it are undoubtedly worth the money but uh yeah, so like I said, Freddie King, mainly he just focuses on that, um, and he does take on some client dogs, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure the retriever trainer is his main uh, main thing, but he's a very knowledgeable trainer, um, and I like him a lot. Like you said, I, I follow some of his stuff, and I take bits and pieces from multiple programs, but he hosted a seminar at his grounds uh, with Evan Graham. If you guys don't know who Evan Graham is, he's a, a very accomplished um, and respected trainer, field trialer. And uh, if you've ever heard of Smart Works, that's Evan Graham. Um, so he's retired now as a trainer, but a very, very knowledgeable man. So he was there for two days. And uh, we learned a good bit, actually. We drove up on. What day was that? We drove up Thursday night, stayed the night, and then went over to Freddie's place Friday. And. Uh, Basically, we did, like, some whiteboard, like, formal instruction for the first couple hours. And then we'd slide over to the field and show it in real life. So he'd have uh, some people get their test dogs out and use their dogs to uh, demonstrate his drills and whatnot. Um, and it was pretty neat. And then Friday night, had a big crawfish boil there. Um, ate, like, 12 pounds of crawfish. <laughs> I love crawfish. <laughs> yeah, I don't know many that don't. But <laughs> smash the crawfish, and then Saturday was pretty much the same thing. Um, so I got to use Boone in a couple uh, drills and stuff. I volunteered him. Not a lot of people wanted to volunteer their pups to run in the drills and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm always down to like, yeah, that's like burn some energy out. That, and you, you get to learn from a trainer that you follow who's going to obviously, like, see your dog work word yeah so it was all i mean really it was all like evan graham um freddie mm -hmm. didn't actually do much but we kind of see everything over and make sure everything logistically flowed nice but uh everything the whole teaching and everything was from evan graham and uh if you've ever like heard him talk or watch any of his videos or met him i've never met him that was the first time but it he I think he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but it's just his personality. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And uh, so the first couple of drills, like people were like jumping up and down to have their dogs run, uh, mm -hmm. and they'd get up there, and he's critiquing. He doesn't care about the dog; he's critiquing you as a trainer uh, and a handler. And I think he wore a lot of people down, uh, like hurt their feelings. You know, what I mean, I've been in the ring yeah. for for eight years. <laughs> like I have some pretty thick fucking skin. Uh, yeah, 
but you know other people don't especially that this is like their first time being around a pro trainer like all these people who came are the retriever trainer they're trt members so i'd say 90 percent of them that were there are all at home trainers it's like their first dog they've trained they don't train in groups they don't have friends who train they don't you know what i mean like they're, right. they're not around pros so this is their like they're them showcasing themselves as trainers and their dogs to like two renowned pros so when you get up there and they're just like and he's just like hammering on you uh, <laughs> yeah you know i think it broke him down and then a lot of like after the first like two drills not a single person wanted to volunteer their dog for anything. <laughs> uh like i said I took advantage of it, and I threw Boone in and several of them, because why not? I think the first day uh, we did cheating singles um, on one of Freddy's big tech pawns, and uh, that was cool, and Boone did really, really well, so uh, got some kind words from uh, Mr. Graham there, and then we did a drill Saturday. It was like a miniature, like, land tea type deal, Uh and Boone didn't do that great at it. Um, I think it was just because it's so small and he was just not interested in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I got critiqued on it a little bit. Um, and then we did uh, live flyers, a huge live flyer mark. It was like 150 yards, like triple entry. Uh, and Boone ate it up. He loved it. So <laughs> I, I did get some videos. That's more fun. <laughs> yeah, I got some videos of all of that. I was going to throw them together and post them up on the channel eventually, but uh, it, it was fun. I learned some nice drills and concepts that I hadn't heard about before that I, I plan on using. So, And it was free. Um, oh, okay. That, that's talk, even the better thing is that yeah. the seminar was free. Talking about the Retriever Trainer. If you're a member of the Retriever Trainer, it was free to you. Um, I don't even want to know how much an Evan Graham seminar would cost if you had to pay for it, but I'm assuming it's more than I would spend. It was <laughs> free. The only thing we had to pay for was gas um, and a hotel, which gas isn't cheap right now. So gas yeah, was, was... gas costs more than the hotel did. But <laughs> hearing hearing uh, you've been traveling these past weekends back and forth to Arkansas and uh, was it Mississippi? You said. Mm-hmm. Man, you got some gas money there, buddy. <laughs> Man, you, you don't got to tell me. Like I said, we drove uh, drove to Searcy, drove back, then I drove to Mississippi, drove back, then this weekend drove to Arkansas, drove back. So, yeah, been putting some miles on the truck. And, uh, my my bank account's reflecting that at the pump. <laughs> yeah. I missed the days last year. This time last year, gas down here was like $1.50 a gallon. Yeah, it's because that, uh, what is it, that gas shortage because not enough drivers? Yeah, whatever. And people are freaking out. Like, uh, speaking of about gas and stuff, we're just going to off topic real quick. <laughs> I was in North Carolina. I was like, well, shoot, I hope you have you guys have gas and stuff because, like, I'm not trying to push anything out. And North Carolina was where they had the shortage. Yeah. Everyone is pumping gas in trash bags. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, but, yeah. A, a lot has changed. A lot has happened <laughs> since we last talked. God. Yeah. And 2021, man. 2021 is off to one hell of a start. Everyone <laughs> was like, man, 2020 is the worst year ever. But, like, we're on track for a shitty year. I mean, as, as a, not as, yeah. just as a country, but as a world. I mean, 
I, I'm not going to get political, so we'll just move past this conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, 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 move out. let's move past this. <laughs> but uh, talking about the seminar, I, there's some drills uh, we learned. So if you guys don't know what Evan Graham SmartWorks is, I, I would recommend looking into it. Um, there's a book series on it, and there's also like a video series. You can go on YouTube and look them up too. I'm sure you could probably find a free PDF online of the book as well. But uh, he's got some nice drills and concepts. And he's a very, like I said, he's a field trial guy. So he's a very formal training type of person, um, which I'm completely cool with. But one of his drills, I think the first one he showed us was called uh, the four-phase drill. Um, and it's basically working on suction and blind work. So it's kind of around force to pile um when you get out of force fetch so you'll have a pile at 100 yards um and you'll send the dog on it establish the pile and then at 20 yards you're going to have a bird boy um throwing birds so you'll come to the line you've already established the pile the bird boy at 20 yards will throw a bird um he'll be about 10 feet off of the line throwing the bird left to right so away from the line right um he goes and picks the bird up brings it back and then you go back and send him to the back pile so there's that suction created there from the bird boy whatever so then you go from 20 to 40 to 60 to 80 yards um then you come back and phase b of it is now the bird boy walks to where that bird was landing at 20 yards and turns and throws it towards the line so it lands just off the line um, so now the suction is a little tighter to the line, and you repeat 20, 40, 60, 80. Then the third phase, phase C, um, he goes back to his original spot and throws the bird over the line. So it's like under the arc. Um, and then you do the same thing through your progressions. And then the last one, you throw it and lands on the line. Um, so there's a couple benefits to it in my mind. Um, and like I said, I really would love to do it and i know a couple people whose dogs have issues on blinds with their nose um right and, and want to start like you know catching old falls and this and that you're teaching your dog not only to run past old falls but to listen to you especially on blind work to ignore everything else right stop using your nose i'm sending you where you're going um so if you use real ducks you get all that scent off the line at first that's a distraction it's suction um, so you're teaching your dogs to drive past that on the blinds. Uh, but what I also want to do once we run through it is I would like to come back and start at phase A again and run it as a poison bird setup. Um, so throw the bird, no off the bird, and then line up, run into the back pile, come back, pick up the bird. Um, I love poison birds. And talking about poison birds, if you watched the video from our last test, the water series, first time I've ever seen a poison bird in a test, but had a poison bird. Pretty neat, actually. And it <laughs> ate a lot of dogs up. So anyone who trains, like, if you don't train poison birds, if you don't know what a poison bird is, first of all, um, it's a bird that's thrown and you're told not to pick it up. So it's a no bird. No, no. You don't pick it up at all. So they'll throw it, and they'll tell you it's a poison bird. Don't pick that bird up. you got to pick up this or whatever so in this case we had two wingers on the left one on the right and the blind was on the left down the shore past the two wingers so 
you come to the line, they throw the bird on the right, and it lands literally 10 yards in front of you in the water, just a big splash. Um, and you have to know off of that, go to your left and run down the shore to the blind. Then come back with the blind, um, and then you they'll throw the other two marks, you shoot your other two marks, then you can pick up all three birds. Uh, so it was a pretty, pretty badass setup. Um, but like I said, you know, some people don't train poison birds, um, and it really ate those dogs up. You could tell because um, <clears throat> it messes with them. Not only, right. you know, it's a very tempting breaking bird to to have a big splash in your face at ten <laughs> yards. I mean, yeah. like if that was the only mark, it's still just tempting. Even if you could pick it up, a lot of dogs wanted to jump on that sucker. Um, and then you have that suction of that bird being there and you're trying to run a blind and it was just weird and it, it ate them up. Um, so we're kind of drifting on the topic of poison birds, but if you don't train them, you're wrong. Yeah. You should be. Not only that, they help with memory. They help with steadiness. Uh, you know, because your dog will get in this habit of picking up every bird. Um, so if your dog that gets them more amped up, when they see that bird, they're like, oh, I'm going to go pick it. And that's what creates breaking, um, or one of the things that can create breaking. You run poison birds, they learn that not every bird that they mark, they're going to pick up right away. So, right. so it, it helps so to out a, a dog it's a, a lot. It's a must-have teachable lesson to these dogs, huh? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we run a lot of poison bird setups, but. And they help. Yeah. Boone's good with it, then. He's got it. (laughs) Yeah. So we nailed that. Land is what ate us up. Yeah. I saw that. I watched the video. (laughs) Man, it sucks, too. I was so confident. Uh, You know, I was telling a couple of my buddies there, like, if we can get past the water clean. Yeah. I'm not worried about this test at all. The land was a good, I mean, it was a good setup, both water and land. I told Madison, you know, like on the phone um, while we were there, I was like, hey, if we get a ribbon today, like he earned that shit. I mean, that was a good test. All the dogs that did pass, I mean, they're, they're good dogs. And not saying Boone's not a good dog, he's a damn good dog, but it just wasn't our day. We, uh, that long, it literally went left to right. Longest bird came out first at about 130 yards. Middle bird came out, 70 yards maybe. And then the bird on the right, the last bird, came out at like 35 yards. So he picks up the go bird. And then my plan was to go the short bird and then run that middle bird that was like 70 yards. And then send him on the long one. I had a feeling I'd have to, everyone had to handle on that long one pretty much from what I watched in the morning. Um, so I was like, we're going to pick that one up last. Mm-hmm. That way if I have to handle you know, it's no big deal. So that was my plan. Things don't always go as planned. I like to trust Boone. So he came back <laughs> to heal. And when he came back, if you watch the video, um, he just dug his paws in and got ready to run mm-hmm. on that long bird, uh, like really locked in on it. And I was like, you know, man, like if, if this is the one you want, I mean, you could tell he was about to haul ass too. Like he knew <laughs> it, it was way out there. I was like, okay. I mean, if if he's marked it that good and he's that confident, I'm going to send him on this one. Uh, and then at that point, I was feeling really good. So, like, man, if he picks this up. We're, we're butter. Yeah. So I sent him, and he hunted. I mean, he had to run over it at least like three or four times. If you listen to the commentary in the video, 
you can hear the judges and stuff being like, oh, 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 because he just kept running right <laughs> over it. And, oh. Yeah. So he started drifting back towards that middle bird in his hunt. And you can hear the judge say, don't let him pick that other bird up. And that's when I hit uh, the whistle and had to handle him back to the original bird. Um, we got him to it. He picked it up. And uh, then when I sent him on that third bird, he got about 30 yards away. And you could tell when I was healing him to get him, asking him, you know, where's your bird? Where's your bird? He had no idea where to go. <laughs> and he got about 30 yards and turned around and sat down and looked at me. Um, that's why I knew it was over. I mean, I can't handle him at that point. I already burnt my handle for the day. So there, there was nothing I could do. Um, and I, I think the problem with it is I had to handle him away from the bird that I was trying to send him to. So since I had to handle him on that last mark, I think it really ate with him, and he didn't know what I wanted him to do. So, But this is a teachable <sighs> moment and lesson, right? For sure, yeah. And, that's uh, why that's why I went ahead and scratched him Sunday. Mm-hmm. But, um, so these, these field trials you do in hunt test, do you, like, practice them at, like, you know, when you train and stuff too? Or is this just, like, you know, you know, you're doing, you're following a program and that's it? Uh, yes and no. Um, what do, we do similar setups. Um, not often, though. I don't run multiple marks often, maybe once a week at that. Um, but 90% of our training is singles. Um, okay. Short singles, long singles, poison birds. I mean, it, whatever we're doing, we run a lot of singles. Um, if I do run a triple or three marks at a time, I will teach it as singles. And then, so we'll run each bird as a single and then come back and run it as a triple. Makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, it makes just, sense. Just to help with his confidence and his memory. Um, right. But I don't, if, if you do multiples too much, you'll notice dogs that are, that swing their head a lot and they mm -hmm. don't really lock in on their mark. So if you ever watch, if you ever go to a test and watch a test, you'll see some dogs, as soon as that first bird is shot, they automatically switch and start looking for the next winger. Oh, um, yeah. Because that's, they run a lot of multiples. So the problem with that is they don't always get a good mark. Right. So if you take that same dog and you're running singles or something, like a long single, they're going to get ate up by that fucking <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a fact. Because they're going to get a half-ass mark on it and start looking around for the next one. And then they're just going to get tore up by it. And the problem, uh, too, is, you know, if, dogs who run a lot of these tests, they get very wise to holding blinds and winger hides. And they start marking off of those hides and... and it can create some problems. So uh, today, I mean, I decided, you know, we're going to stop our blind work and handling work for about a week or so, two weeks, um, and just work on marking drills, get his confidence back up, work on his memory. So today we, uh, I set all three of my wingers up at about 130 yards, and uh, actually I think it was 140 yards, whatever. You get the point. Yeah. Set them all up, <laughs> throw on the exact same throw, and... Um, through the first one and sent him and basically i had them all three set up the same way that way if there were any issues or he started wandering or getting lost i could just throw the next one and 
kind of guide him back to it since I don't have right. anyone out there to help him in the field. Just trying to boost his confidence up. Um, this is a real shortcut, three-inch white bumpers, but he picked the first one up and nailed it through the second one. Same thing, straight line to it, third one, straight line to it. So uh, then we switched it up and did a wide drill, um, marking drill, um, mm -hmm. kind of a wide drill. It was more like a, I don't know, I had two wingers, um, like all three wingers out there. We were about 80 yards, so I had one throwing all in the same spot, one throwing right to left, one throwing left to right, and one threw straight at us. Um, and for anyone listening, it's a really, really good drill to improve your spot marking. Um, and by that, I mean locking in on a specific spot and driving straight to it when they mark it, not just marking the area, but really marking that fall. Um, especially when you start changing the angles of the throws. Uh, you may not think that a throw that's a left angle back and a just right to left throw would make a difference, but it does. It'll eat a dog up all day. A left angled in and a left angled back, two completely different throws. They may only be like 10 yards, 15 yards apart, but they'll eat a dog up. All right. And if they haven't seen those, if they see them in a test, if they see a back throw and, you know, they mark it like it was thrown inward um, or they just mark the area, they're going to hit that wall. It's like a barrier that they're going to yep. hit. And then they're going to break down. They're going to start hunting back towards you and they're never actually going to push out there. Uh, so that's what the, you know, the Y drills and those spot marking drills really do. Is they it teaches them to really mark the spot it falls and not the area. Um, so that's what we did, and then called it a day and brought it home. So yeah, I mean, I I do like know the emphasis of marking. Like, you got the dogs got to know how to mark really well. But yeah, it's sure. it's it's up to the time that you put into it too. Yeah, um, I've had the conversation with several people um, the last week or so who've had issues. Like, you know, the biggest thing with training and just anything in general is consistency. 99% uh, of the dog's problems are not the dog's problems. It's your problem. <laughs> it really you know is. I mean? You know, yeah. I mean, you, you can't blame a dog for doing something that he doesn't know how to do. Exactly. You can't blame a dog for learning something that you didn't correct him on or developing habits that you didn't fix. I mean, it's nature. It's living nature. Humans do it too. Um, if you find something you can do that's easier and you get away with it, you're going to keep doing it. Yep. <laughs> so if your dog starts breaking and you let him break, he's going to keep breaking. It's going to get worse. It's just it's life. You so know, why would I why sit still when I could just go get it whenever I want to? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, you've got a pretty experienced dog then. And uh, while Boone doesn't have like anyone really to play with, but you and Maddie, right? Do you recommend your dog to be separated? Um, you know, as a working dog to be separated from your family or your siblings, for example, they're little kids, right? So they, they love playing with dogs and they love playing. Do you think 
it makes a difference when they when they throw a bumper out there for them. Um, because they, they they'll <clears throat> they'll break for sure. Yeah, I think they, depends... they know it's a play. But if the dog has an on and off switch, then it's okay. Yeah. Right. So, like my dog, for example, like Boone, I'd have no problem with that. Um, but he knows the difference between when I'm handling him right. and when a little kid is handling him. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, I guess it just depends on the dog. I think it depends a lot on the age too. Um, but no, I don't. I think every dog should be encouraged and incorporated into a family and get plenty of right. playtime. I mean, we play all the time. The only thing we don't do is like tug of war. Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely something you don't want to do. Yeah, we used to with uh, his rope. He loves fucking pole ropes, but we had to stop doing it because uh, it creates issues. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he has plenty of toys. I mean, hell, we'll sit on the couch and I'll throw his Kong all around the living room and he loves to chase tennis balls everything. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. and it, and I haven't seen a direct reflection in the field of okay. me throwing it like that. I also throw him plenty of fun bumpers where I just hop up, up and chuck yeah. it and let him run and pick it up. And I think if you do too much of that, it can create steadiness issues. But again, you need a dog that you need to make that line very clear and make sure your dog understands where that line is. Right. And if they cross it or they get too close to it, you correct them. Right. Right. That's why we train dogs. That's why we have collar conditioned dogs. That's why we have force fetch dogs. <laughs> right. That's why we have healing sticks. That's why we have whistles. That's why we have all these tools. Is to make corrections when corrections are due. Once you do it enough, it's second nature. And like you said, they, they do. They can they develop that on off switch of okay. Well, right. business, we're playing. Um, so, to answer your question, yeah, I'm not that worried about it, honestly. Okay. <laughs> Depending on the dog. Right. Because <laughs> you can have a really great dog, and they'll just go with a family for the week, and they'll just be, end up being a totally different dog, because they're like, oh, this lifestyle is better. Yeah. Or, I'd, rather, I'd rather go do this instead. Well, lay on and, the couch. And... You know, Boone is this. Even if we took like a week or so off of training, and I just let him lounge around the house and do whatever he wants without any training, then he would be the same way. You know, you'd see some regress in his training. But I, I had this conversation with a buddy last week. We were helping or working with his dog who had a breaking issue. And, you know, once you set a standard with anything, you have to enforce it at all times. Because, like I said, if you give any leeway at all, they're going to take that and they're going to make that habit. Right. Um, and once you have a habitual dog, it is way harder to break it. You know what I mean? Right. The longer it happens, the worse it gets. So once you make that standard, you enforce that standard. So anytime I take him out, you know, I make him sit. I open the door, he sits next to me, he heals next to me out the door, and he heals next to me until I tell him to go potty, and then he can run around and piss and whatever. Right. And then same thing, when we come back, heal. You heal, you sit, you wait for me to open the door, and then we walk in together. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like creating a routine. Yeah, so you, 
you know, and you don't just let them do whatever they want when they're at home and then expect perfect results in the field. Right. So that's where a lot of people think that having a family dog and having a a test or trial dog or whatever creates issues. But the issue, again, like I said, 99% of your issues are not the dog's fault. It's your fault. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, the problem is you got to look in the mirror and say, okay, well, I'm doing this, so I need to undo this. Um, you got to train yourself just like you train your dog. I mean, it's easier said than done, but right. you can learn you can learn from mistakes that we've made. That's why we're that's why I preach it to everyone now is because I've made the same mistakes and they are a pain in the ass to fix. So when I give people advice on uh, like training and what you should and shouldn't do, like it's me, it's I know from experience, like I've been right. up that fucking hill and it sucks. <laughs> but if you do it like this, you know, you don't have to worry about it and it'll be a breeze. But and that's why you just buy a started dog or you just like <laughs> buy a pro dog, <laughs> spend the money, buy one. Uh, not even. I'm just, just kidding. You just but, gotta, I don't know. It's yeah, gotta be nah, consistent. Yeah, consistency is the main key of having a great dog. Even if you buy a pro dog, you still gotta work it. Yeah, for consistently. sure. Otherwise, it'll, it'll just regress, and then you'll just be pissed off. Like, oh, my dog can't do this and this and this anymore. He's stupid. Like, there goes ten grand out of drain. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's not stupid. You're just lazy. Like, yeah. and and training your own dog's not difficult for anyone who wants to train their dog like you can do it anyone can do it it just takes consistency it takes patience and (laughs) and you gotta you gotta teach yourself you gotta actually like be willing to read and listen and take notes Yep. (laughs) like you gotta be active you're gonna spend if you get a new puppy and you want to train it you're gonna spend at least 20 times more teaching yourself than you are teaching that dog. Guaranteed. And you're definitely going to test your own patience and your frust- like with your frustrating uh, self, too. Without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> like, I, st- I still get very frustrated, but, I mean... And don't take it out on me. the dog, because, like you said, it's not the dog's fault. Well, 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah. There is that 1%, though, where Boone is just fucking stupid. But they have off days. I mean, it's just like any human being on Earth. Like, you have an off day. You have a day where you just can't do shit right. Right. I mean, it happens. It happens to me all the time. I mean, and and when the dog's like that, you know, whatever. Cool. Throw a couple fun bumpers, throw them on the truck, and go home. You're not going to get anything productive out of that. But training your dog to a started level takes 15, 20 minutes a day. Consistently. Right. That, that's really it. And once you get to where we're at, those, like, I miss those 20-minute training sessions. Hmm. Like, you got to make a schedule once you get up there. But that's why it's I worth just it. stick to upland and non-test. <laughs> field trials once you run your first <laughs> test you'll run all i want yeah all i more. need is a meat dog 
Yeah, you say that. <laughs> no, until I see your other dogs are like, damn, that's pretty cool, though. I mean, it is. And it's, for me, one, it feels great. Like, you can train your dog and, you know, they look good. But it's it's good to go and run tests and be recognized for all the work you put in, right? I mean, right. training is a very rewarding thing on its own. But to be able to say, well, you know, we got this title, a measurable thing to say, right. you know, we're actually, you know, we're pretty fucking good. Like, we know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> right. And, and everyone says, okay, well, you know, oh, my dog's great. My dog's this, my dog's that. My dog is this level, whatever. Okay, well, like, that's just the beautiful thing about Hunt S. It's like, well, what level is your dog at? What have you, what can you show that your dog mm-hmm can consistently do because it's not just a one-time thing you got to do it over multiple tests different setups different days i mean it's you know that's a consistent pattern so if you say well i have a hrch a finish level dog that's saying something um and a lot of people overlook that and i know that's not a big deal to me it is i think it's a big deal (laughs) right like i teared up a little bit when we got our first finish pass well, good for you guys. Congrats to you and Boom, by the way. I was also, like, having in my, I was, like, three hours of sleep, and I was nervous as hell. <laughs> so I think, like, the little tear that rolled out was just of, like, relief. Like, oh, yeah. I'm finally done. <laughs> <laughs> now I can drive three hours home. But, uh, yeah, we just got in a rabbit hole and talked about everything but what we were going to talk about. I don't even know. <laughs> We're good at that, though. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's gonna wrap it up, guys. I mean, hey, I think it was a good one. I think we provided some yeah. pretty valuable information. We just like care to, about dogs. Yeah, we just like to shoot the shit and go along with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you care about dogs, you should have learned something from this. <laughs> if, if you don't have a dog, you probably left this podcast about thirty minutes ago. But. But it is all right, what it folks. Is. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it was. And uh, we'll be back next week, guys. And uh, next episode is going to be a fun episode. You're not going to want to miss it, okay? Like I said at the beginning of this, though, if you're not fucking subscribed to YouTube, go to YouTube, type in Flying V Outdoors, hit the subscribe button, watch a couple of the videos, give us a thumbs up, head over to Instagram, follow me at Flying V Outdoors, send me a message, say, hey, I found you on the podcast. You guys are awesome. Hype me up a little bit. Make me feel good about myself. Give me an apple. <laughs> you can also go to Facebook and TikTok. Flying the Outdoors. Everything's Flying the Outdoors. Except for the email. If you ever need to email me, it's Flying the Outdoor. <laughs> no S. Because that's the way we roll. I appreciate right. each and every one of you for listening. And we'll see you next week. All right, y'all. Get back.